Welcome in to another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. Seku Smith here in Atlanta. John Schumann in New Jersey. And uh, our main man, Lang Whitaker, joining us from Memphis. No! <laughs> <laughs> Long time no talk. The season's cranked, Lang, obviously, in Memphis and everywhere else. We're at the quarter point here, so we'll get into some, you know, headlines thus far. But the trade wins are cranked up. Kyle Korver reportedly back to Utah for two second round picks in Alec Burks. So that means trade season is officially kicking off in earnest now between uh, here and the February trade deadline. But we are going to dive in a little bit on your Memphis Grizzlies, Lang. And, you know, everybody on, on this podcast remembers, you know, your vast contributions to the show and, and all the hard work you put in. But they don't know. I mean, we never, we never really like said, hey, uh, by the way, Lang's no longer here. We just kind of, you just vanished. So update people who might not know on what you're doing now. Yeah, man. I, uh, I escaped from the Hang Time podcast about a, <laughs> about a year ago and, uh, and moved from New York to Memphis to come work for the Grizzlies. So here in Memphis, I'm the GM of Grizz Gaming, our team in the NBA 2K League, and I contribute to Grind City Media. So I cover the Grizzlies and I cover the NBA and uh, college football, other regional sports, and uh, work here with a, a, a bunch of people you know and that we yeah. all know, Mike Wallace and Alexis Morgan, Chris Vernon. Um, we got a whole crew here at Grind City Media. And uh, it's been fun. And it's been kind of fun to watch the Grizzlies get off to a, a good start this season. Yeah, the, the Grizzlies have been one of the surprise teams, Lang. Tell, now, tell the truth. Did you guys see this coming? Like, did y'all think this team had a better chance to be as competitive as they've been than maybe the outside world did? Or was it kind of a surprise internally as well? You can vouch for this because I talked to you before the season started. <laughs> and, you know, as long as, like, I, I always thought, like, as long as this team could stay healthy, we, we would have a shot at competing. And, Look, I mean, it's, it's no secret that this team goes as far as Mike and, and Mark carry us. You know, Mike, Mike Conley and Marcus Sola, the two kind of foundation pieces here. And uh, without Mike last season, for 90% of the season, we couldn't go very far. So having those two guys back and having them healthy has, has been huge. And, I, you know, really, I think people have seen Jaron Jackson kind of step in here and kind of hit or miss against Toronto the other night. He had 2,000 in the first 60 seconds of the game, and, and that happens for a rookie, but... Uh, he's been phenomenal, and, and Kyle Anderson's been a, a nice addition. And there's just a lot of, like, really good, solid pieces on this team. Yeah, I think, like, the, you know, we always t- – you know, Conley and Gasol obviously leading the way and them being healthy is huge, and especially Conley just because he does so much uh, more off the dribble than anybody else, and he has that sort of threat. But I, I, I think, like, the additions of Anderson and Temple and even Shelvin Mack to a lesser degree, like, means so much it's just, just to have, like, competent guys at the two and three that you can rely on. Now, the, none of those guys are, are scoring all that much. Temple uh, is shooting pretty well from three-point range, and, and Anderson barely scores at all. But just to have, like, they – you know, with, with Conley and Gasol just make a, a defensive core that's really, really good. And even Jackson, I think, like, I, I guess, like, we don't talk about enough about how much, how important it is just to have, like, veterans and solid guys at those positions rather than, you know, um, these younger guys that are, you know, still trying to figure things out. Yeah, there's a couple other things at play there. I mean, Wayne Selden has been healthy this year early. He, he wasn't last year, and he, he didn't really get healthy until – 
six, eight weeks into the season. Um, and having him healthy all season, he, he's been a, a, a really good contributor off the bench and, and been solid. Dylan Brooks got hurt early this season, so we, we've been without him for most of the season. Um, he, he's still, they, they said yesterday, there'll be another couple weeks before we get an update on him. And he would be a rotation player, you know, one of those first guys off the bench and, and would add to sort of that grit and grind defensive thing that we've been able to do. You know, offensively, it's still a work in progress. That's, that's been sort of the theme since training camp. You know, J.B. Bickerstaff, um, having his first full camp. Chad Porcier came over, an assistant coach who was with the Spurs, and, and they've tried to install the, a newer, a new offense that's a little more motion-based. There's not really a lot of, of play calls. It's more like read and react and cut and all that stuff. And I think you're seeing it kind of game by game get better as the guys learn each other's games a little bit. But it's been slow this season. It's been a lot of games where we just have to win via defense. But that's something else I think that's kind of been the theme here from the summer, you know, when they when they added Shelvin Mack and Omri Caspi has been a, a good piece of this team. A lot of these guys, they brought in these solid veterans who know how to defend. And, and there's so much length on the court between uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Mark, Kyle, Garrett Temple's a really good defender. There, there's a lot of good defensive players. That, and every team that comes in here has played us. You know, we might not be able to outscore you, but, but you're going to have to put up over 100. And it's been tough for teams to do that against the Grizzlies so far this year. Lang, does does the the healthy Mike Conley make as big a difference, obviously? And, and Gasol has had some injury issues, obviously, the past few seasons. But it's, it always seemed like the Grizzlies couldn't take that next step because it was a, a an, an injury to Mike Conley at a, at a horrible time that kind of stopped them from that progression. Does he make that big a difference, just having that elite point guard healthy and, and kind of in a groove? Yeah, the simple answer is yeah. I, I talked to Mike recently about this season, and, and you know, he, he talked about as this season has gone along, he, he's gotten better and better, and he talked about, you know, he, he's been healthy for a while and been what we would consider healthy, but he hasn't been really in NBA shape until the, as the season's progressed, and he's kind of found another level within himself, and, and he talked about it. He didn't know after that surgery uh, last season, if he would come back the player he was before, how long it would take. And there was a lot of doubt and kind of, he just sat around last season. He said his happy times were when he was able to just come to the arena and be around the guys. And and as this season has started, you know, I, I think you saw, especially the first couple of weeks of the season, there was a game at Utah where, where he was just gassed. And, and there was a game at Sacramento that, that we blew a late lead. Um, the Kings won where, where we just ran out of gas and Mike's, Slowly, these past couple of weeks especially, see him getting in better and better shape and you see this team um, just relying on him more and more. Um, the one thing about this offense is these guys kind of learn the read-react thing, as, as John mentioned. Mike can pretty much beat anyone off the dribble um, and get into the paint. And as he's starting to, to have that stamina in the fourth quarter, that's a pretty good thing to be able to rely on when that shot clock gets deep and, and when you need something to happen. Speaking of fourth quarters, like this team is team, like, I don't know, it's, what were the was it cardiac kids was like some <laughs> yeah i think like because they played at the slow, league's slowest pace and because it's they're a good defensive team and a not so good offensive team like 10 of their last 11 games i think have been within five points in the last five minutes what do you see from like the late game like who are they counting on late game offense late game defense like who's who's guarding the the the, the other the opponent's best player and then who, who's who's who has the ball in his hands late in the game you know honestly like the, the fourth quarter is i think is really symptomatic of the third quarter because almost every game we're, we're up at halftime or have been competitive at the half and then by the third quarter it starts to fall apart and then when you get to the fourth 
then we're kind of playing from behind almost every game. One thing in, in these fourth quarters, you know, I, I didn't mention to Michael Green, who, who started last season and, and was the starting power forward at the start of this season, had a broken jaw the, in the home opener here and, and has been out for the first couple of weeks. That's how Jaron kind of got into the starting lineup and has kept the starting role. And to Michael coming back, he's been closing out a lot of these games in that closing lineup, uh, partly because Jaron's been in foul trouble all the time. But this Probably like the last week and a half now, Jaron has kind of moved into that start, that closing lineup. I think having him out there is just so helpful because he can switch on guys. He's fast enough to guard pretty much anyone. He's huge. He's 6'11". He's long. And his hands are like baseball gloves. I don't know if you've noticed him. But watch him on the court. His hands are just gigantic. Uh, he's able to... to cause a problem for, for anyone he's up against. You know, the, the way that the rotation works, Mike usually starts that fourth quarter, takes a little break halfway through, and then plays the last four minutes. We've been trying to come back in all these fourth quarters, and he hasn't had the luxury of having that break in some of these games the last week or so. So that's been a, um, something to keep an eye on. But, you know, between Mike, Garrett, Jaron, like we talked about, Kyle, Mark, I mean, there's so much size and length in there that defensively, I, I think, you know, done a pretty good job in these four quarters. It's just been getting the offense right and, and finding those consistent scoring opportunities in the fourth quarter of these games to, to get these wins. Lang, for, for so long, you, you, you know, covered the entire league and, and didn't have to focus on one team <laughs> um, in particular. What's it like kind of embedding with the Grizzlies the way you have? I mean, it's a Western Conference. So it's different from maybe, you know, focusing on a team in the East. Like, I know you've always focused on the Hawks as a fan and certainly, in, you know, in our line of work. But what, what's been maybe something that surprised you about the Grizzlies and just being that close, you know, and behind the scenes with one team? I was, I was telling my wife the other day this, actually, that I think one thing you don't realize unless you work for a team is, you know, every morning I come to work about 8.30 and I pull in the parking lot and it's, there's already a ton of cars here. And, and every time I pull in the parking lot, it's just full of cars. And it reminds me that there's so many people here who kind of live and die with every game we play and, and just want us to win every game and want us to just give our best effort. And, you know, there's a couple hundred employees here. And every person here is invested fully, 100% in this team being as successful as they can be. And when we lose, it feels like we lost. It feels like I lost. You know, <laughs> When we win, it feels like I won. It's a great feeling. Um, and, and so from that standpoint, it's fun. As someone who's been a sports fan my entire life, as someone who played sports uh, my entire life, it, it's fun to be a part of a team and to feel like I'm part of something bigger than me. And and it's it's tough when we lose. My parents were here for Thanksgiving, and, and uh, we were watching the Clippers game last week. And uh, – we, we lost in overtime and I wasn't a fun person to be around that night after the game. And I was like, sorry, mom, man, we lost. <laughs> so it, it's different. It's different than, you know, trying to cover the league grid large, trying to keep an eye on everything. And uh, instead you're really digging down and focusing on every single thing this team does, but it, it's a lot of fun and uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. JB Bickerstaff was in a kind of an awkward situation, obviously as a part of yeah. David Fisdale's staff. And then, you know, he becomes the interim coach and then takes over you know, as the permanent coach, how's he been different? Like what's been his approach that maybe differs from what Fisdale brought? And I don't mean that it's something better or worse that he's done. I just mean every head coach is going to have a way of operating in a, in kind of a tone that he sets for his team. I know Chad Forcier, I've known him for a long time. I know he's got a, some good coaches on his staff, obviously. But what's he been like as a leader for this Grizzlies team? You know, honestly, I haven't seen much difference in J.D. from last year to this year. I arrived last year right after he took over. And so 
I really wasn't around for Fizdale. Uh, the Knicks were here last weekend, and, and Fizdale came back. And one thing that, that Fizdale talked a lot about was that like, he and JB are like brothers. And, yeah. and that was kind of why JB was his lead assistant. Um, and so he said, uh, you know, he felt bad for himself losing the job, but he felt great for JB and that he finally got an opportunity and that he deserves to be one of the 30 coaches in this league. So having been around JB last year to this year, he seems about the same. Um, He's he's pretty even keel, and um, he brought in like you said that four days. Jerry Stackhouse came in also. He brought in Greg Buckner since since he uh, became the head coach. A, a lot of former players, and uh, his thing with the staff from those guys that I've talked to is he, he doesn't really have specialists. He he wants everyone to kind of as Buckner told me the other day, be a jack of all trades, and and you know each guy has different guys they work with. But we could have a pretty awesome coaching staff game against other teams between Stack. <laughs> Uh, we had uh, Greg Buckner, Vitaly Potapenko, Nick Van Exel. Um, there's a lot of really good former NBA players on this coaching staff. And I think the guys on the team, I mean, they, they remember seeing those guys play. And, and they rely on them. You see them during the game um, calling out coverages and calling out plays and things to look for. Um, but, but from JB's standpoint, I, I think, you know, he's, he's talked about this is the first time he's had the full training camp to kind of get this system in place and do what he wants to do. And, you know, 12 and 8 start, it's not a bad way to start. There's some of those games that I think we wish we could have the finish back, but I, I think 12 and 8's a, a pretty good start out of the gate in the West. You mentioned it before, but has uh, Jermichael Green be, been officially Wally Pipped, meaning that he is, that <laughs> Jaron Jackson is forever a starter on this team? I don't know that. You know, the one thing I would say about Jermichael is, like, he clearly hasn't given up the fight for playing time. I mean, he, he gets in these games, and he's one of the more active players in the post. You know, as a veteran guy, he manages to, to stay out of foul trouble for the most part. And, you know, Jaron still struggles with that. And I know that's something they're, they're working with Jaron hard on, is, you know, learning how to play NBA uh, defense in the post and how to avoid those early foul troubles. But, but Jermichael, he still grinds hard every time he gets in the game. You know, this is a contract year for him. I think he wants to show what he can do. And uh, he's been pretty phenomenal so far. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't, I, I know that Jaron has shown a lot of promise and, and clearly he's going to be a, big part of the future going forward here but i don't i don't know that promises are made to anyone you know if you play well you you get playing you've talked about we've talked about the defense but defensive numbers are best with gasol and jackson on the floor together just looking at their sort of like lineup data i thought that's that's interesting and and like they're allowing 94 points per 100 possessions with those two guys on the floor together so that's pretty incredible um especially you know considering they're they're two bigs and with the, you know, the floor spacing of the league today and, and you know, yeah. fours and fives, but they're still defending really well with two sort of traditional bigs on the floor. It's interesting if you watch, especially lately, Jerem's gotten really good at beating the other team's defense down the court and setting up in the paint. And, you know, usually he'll beat the other big man down, so he'll cause a mismatch and get picked up by a guard or a small forward. And he loves getting the ball in the paint. He's not afraid of contact. He's really good around the rim. So he, he's finding those early scoring opportunities which with a team that, that kind of struggles on offense. That you, we desperately need that. He's been really good at that. And then it's early, it's so early to say it, but the way Mark likes to, to kind of be on the perimeter and pass the ball and Jaron inside, somebody mentioned the other day, like, hey, it's so early, but you see those brief kind of remembrances of, of Zebo and Mark, where Zebo would be in the post and Mark would be in the high post. Um, Jaron likes to be down under the rim. Mark seems to be comfortable on the perimeter. Um, they're sort of that high-low game they can play. And, and as Jaron gets, you know, he's still 19 years old. I think he's the youngest player in the league. As he gets more and more experienced and comfortable, uh, the two of them, are, are just, I think they're going to be a problem. Yeah. 
explained so much of the identity of that team and really that franchise in recent years has been that grit and grind. Have they have they moved off of that at all, or have they tried to move off of that? Do you do you feel like they're kind of holding on to that as a touchstone for you know for fans and for people to to kind of recognize that they're still trying to to live up to that profile of being that grimy defensive team? I know you know you think about Lob City and the way the, yep. the Clippers ran. You know Doc wanted them to to move away from that. Has there been any kind of shift that hey we we want to shed that label and be a more modern team, or are they sticking to the grit and grind mantra? I think with the offense they're trying to run, it, it looks a little more modern. And, and you know, we, we saw it two years ago when Mark started shooting all those threes. Everyone's shooting threes on this team. Jaron Jackson takes a couple of games. There's flashes of that modern thing, but J.D. talked about it, you know, at the draft when with our second-round pick, we took Javon Carter out of West Virginia. He's been playing mostly for the hustle, uh, our G League team so far this season, but, you know, I think he was a two-time defensive player of the year in college. J.D. talked about it. Like, why try to do what everyone else is doing? Let's, let's double down on what we're good at. And I think, you know, Kyle Anderson, not an offensive superstar, but defensively, he's always in the right place at the right time and gets his hands on a lot of passes. He was guarding Kawhi a lot of the time in that Toronto game the other night. I, I think, you know, the Grizzlies have, they don't really, I don't hear the guys say grit and grind, but we still grit, we still grind, and that's part of Memphis, you know, at this point. Like, that's always going to be part of this city, yeah. and uh, I think it'll always be part of our identity. One last thing before we get into some other topics, we can't have our former co-host of the Hangtime Podcast here, Lang Whitaker, and not veer off topic and go off on a tangent like we always do. Um, what's, <laughs> what's, the ceiling, <laughs> what's the ceiling for this Grizzlies team in, in your estimation? Like what is reasonable for them to shoot for in terms of the, the scope of this entire season? I mean, I think we're definitely a playoff team. You know, the, the hard part's been with, with Dylan being out. That's, you know, one of your rotation guys. So Michael was already in those games. Uh, you know, as long as Mark and Mike stay healthy, we're, we're in the mix. And, I, you know, I think if we really want to make some noise, Jaron's going to have to develop into that third wheel, you know, like a regular 12 to 15 points per game score. Um, and maybe that happens as the season goes along. I mean, his, his curve has been so steep so far. He came in here and he's right away started making a uh, making some noise. So we'll see how that develops. But in the meantime, um, you know, I, I think we're definitely a playoff team and, and we'll see how high up that, that ladder we can go. Yeah, speak, speaking of ladder, shoe and Lang, we're at the, the core – that was a good transition, wasn't it? Oh, I've been, we've been doing this for a while. You may know this. We've been <laughs> rocking on the Hangtime Podcast for a few years. <laughs> as as you, you kind of gauge the season as a whole through the quarter point of, of the 82-game grind, the, the MVP ladder kind of snakes and turns in different directions. I've got Giannis number one on, on the most recent MVP ladder, and the new one comes out Friday, of course, but – I can't imagine he's been pushed off that spot. Have you guys, either one of you, taken a look at the league right now and said to yourself, this guy has separated himself from that pack, or is the MVP race jumbled in your, in your eyes? I mean, for me, I think it. I think it's like Antetokounmpo for sure is a clear leader, but mm-hmm. Embiid I think is in the conversation. Braun has to be in the conversation. I think – I looked at your list. I think Kyle Lowry probably deserves a little bit more recognition just because, one, how good the Raptors have been. Two, mm-hmm. he's he's the guy that's been there. From, um, you know, Leonard is, you know, hasn't played the second game of a back-to-back or hasn't played both games of a back-to-back yet. And I think uh, 
Lowry has been huge for them. And I just look at his numbers leading the league in assists. Um, his plus minus is a, is a, is up there. I think he's a guy that I think of as a top five MVP player right now. I don't, you know, I can't, you can't put him at, at number one just because of how deep that Toronto team is. And that, that's why I, I you've got to come back to Antetokounmpo with Milwaukee yeah. um, at 15 and six and him just being the generator of so much of what they do. So you would think he would be ahead of, of, of Kawhi even on his own team? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, it, John mentioned the word depth, and as you guys were talking about all these other candidates, all those other guys have at least one other kind of a, a guy on their teams. Um, you know, from Kyle Lowry has Kawhi. LeBron has a, a bunch of really good young players on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, who else would do Oh, Embiid has Ben Simmons. Um, you know, I, it, who does Giannis have that's at that level? I know Middleton's been really good, and Bledsoe's a good player, and they have some other nice pieces. But to me, Giannis is the most, I guess, obvious case of a guy who, who's really valuable to that team. And if he goes down, then what? You know, even if you look at the Warriors, all those guys, you know, yeah. Tony Clay and Durant and Curry have each other. Who, who does Giannis have? And to me, that, I, you know, it also becomes how do you define MVP but to me it's always who has the most value within their team and, and I think Giannis has been uh, so far this season the guy who uh, has proven himself uh, yeah. at least in this early going I'll be curious though with with Curry coming back this weekend you know if if yeah. eight just turns into the head and shoulders best team in the league again and then that yeah. will obviously help his case yeah, they the the weird thing is uh, Jared Greenberg of NBA TV's Ten Before Tip and uh, Sirius XM NBA Radio. You know, he and I battle every Friday about the MVP ladder, and he likes to you know take it to pieces every week and you know argue with whoever's where. And he asked me yesterday, he said they've been talking about it on the radio all week with you know with callers and different people that I I maintain that this ten and will be eleven game absence for Steph has only served to highlight how valuable he is to the Warriors. I mean, they've been they've been regular. They've been a regular NBA team without him. There's also an argument that if you look at LeBron James and and the, you know, tire fire he left in in Cleveland, <laughs> that he would be the guy that screams at you like, "Hey, you know, without him, look what happens to his team." Do you do you put any credence either way into that lying about a guy's in, you know, true value being more pronounced when he's not in the lineup as opposed to when he is? Or or do you think that's just kind of a, a way to bend the argument in your direction, depending on how you look at it? I think you called Jared Greenberg weird at the start of this. So I, I just want to point that out. <laughs> I, um, I, I would just say that, I, you know, it's, Steph, we know what he can do. We know what he means to that team. You know, his absence has sort of coincided with them losing a couple games, but it also coincided with that whole Durant Draymond thing. Yeah. Um, and Draymond's been out too. So, you know, it, it's hard to me to, to make the case for any of the Warriors players just because there's so much other stuff there. There's so many other great players. There's so many other situations going on. We know Steph is amazing. We know he's a two time MVP and, and we know what he can do. Um, I, I don't know that him being out and then losing a couple games means that he's better than we thought he was. Um, yeah. You know, we we know we know that he's uh, one of the great players in the league. Just curious. I mean, I you know, I was just wondering what other people think. I don't I don't take any straw polls on the MVP ladder every week. It's and Shu, you know this. I mean, doing the power rankings, which is a different matrix, but certainly it's something that you know you kind of have to play with in your own head as you're formulating your list, it's weird. It's 
because so much of it is what you value. And Lang, you mentioned it. We've never really had a clear-cut definition that everybody uses for the MVP. There's not a formula or, you know, some analytic component shoe that we can use to say, all right, this guy's the the most valuable, this guy's second most valuable. You know, it's not a it's not something you can do that clear cut. Do you guys think there's anybody that should be in the MVP conversation that isn't? That you know, that we're maybe not talking about at this point in the season? I mean, we haven't mentioned Damian Lillard. I think he's uh, I mean, I know he's on your list. I think he's yeah. gotta be he's gotta be there. Jokic uh, is is worth thinking about just with how good Denver has been. Those are a couple. I mean, and obviously JJ Barea with how with the <laughs> Mavs having won the last seven games that he's played in, and right. uh, you know their bench being the key to most of that. Um, so you know, I, I don't know. If, I mean, if he can win MVP and Sixth Man of the Year in the same season, but you know. <laughs> Uh, Lewis, that, that's Lou just Williams me. will have something to say about that, of course, about him trying to take away his six-man-of-the-year trophy. Um, or, you know, who else? It, just a quick, DeMontis Sabonis has been incredible for Indiana, and he's another uh, a guy, maybe in a most improved conversation as well. I, the one other name I would throw out there that only because they've been not great to start this season, and if they turn things around and kind of catch fire, I mean, Kyrie's the guy who could help that Celtics team become what everyone thought they were going to be heading into the season. Yeah, um, and it's sort of it's sort of like judging him by his own, you know, first couple of months. But considering the first month, month and a half they've had, if they become anything close to what we thought they'd become, everybody's going to be like, oh wow, look at Kyrie, um, and we know he has the capability to be that kind of a player. Yeah. I do, I do like the – I get to instantly react on these Thursday night TNT games sometimes when there are guys in the mix who are playing. And I'm I'm probably guilty as anyone of putting a lot of stock in whatever you did most recently. And I was hoping we'd get kind of a potential finals preview with the Warriors, you know, and the Raptors playing. Unfortunately, Steph won't be in the lineup for the game. Um, that's, that's already been announced that he's going to – miss one more game here before he comes back in Detroit uh, Saturday. Does a, a, a marquee matchup for either one of you guys, does that sway your opinion about a guy just because he maybe plays big in a game against another team that's contending or another team that, that has an MVP candidate? Because I'm wondering if that's a fair way, you know, when you're doing it every week and this thing is updated on a weekly basis, you kind of have to ride the wave, don't you, of players' performance and sticking out in whatever the context of that performance might be. I, I catch it from fans all over the league. You know, why didn't you put this guy on the MVP ladder? He had a 40-point game tonight. It's like, well, yeah, that's his first 40-point game of the season or something. You know, he hadn't, he hadn't played like that forever. Do you, do you guys have to, when you're gauging this thing, do you, do you take into account the fact that something is uh, uh, what have you done for me lately? scenario sometimes when you're looking at performance I think for sure um but no it's a small it's a small element to me it's a small piece of it you know I think consistency in in 82 games worth of data is more you know is is the is the 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 bulk of what you should be thinking about but yeah if a guy if if there's a one-on-one and you know if if uh, say Toronto and Boston play and, and Irving outplays uh, Lowry or vice versa. I think that that sort of takes, you know, and, and it's a key matchup within your conference and it's a key individual matchup. I think that's sure. Sure. You'll, you'll think about that for a little while. I feel like it should be on like a weighted scale. Like 
<laughs> earlier in the season, it shouldn't matter as much as later in the season when you've played yeah. 50 games and you're tired and you, you know, you're on the fourth night of a five games stretch or whatever. Uh, I feel like it should count more as the season goes along. And it probably does in, in the minds of voters because people remember it a little more clearly when it comes time to vote. Um, you know, we see every once in a while somebody has a big performance on Christmas, but I don't think that factors into anybody's voting when it comes time for the MVP. Um, right. You know, I, I feel like it should be some sort of a sliding scale or something. Like you said earlier, like there, there's no clear mathematical formula for this. If there was, Schumann would have figured it out already. And so, <laughs> so instead, it's, there's some sort of artistic element to this and how we rate who gets to be the MVP and all that stuff. I think we should call Rick Fox and ask him what he thinks. No, I definitely don't think we should call Rick and ask him. We'd be here all week. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm 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 obviously cheating by asking you two some some questions because I gotta go to yeah, work. There was know, that another MVP ladder for for Friday. So there was that LeBron push right in the second half of last season, um, and you know there was sort of like a campaign to to make people forget about how awful of a <laughs> January he had, or you know remember that like you know where he basically yeah. uh, stopped trying for a little while so that he would get his teammates traded and I don't know so like <laughs> so yeah there is a, a recency thing to it but I, yeah. I like for me I'm I I think every game matters and from from a analytical perspective every game matters and, and the games in as we've spoken about the games in October and November can tell you more about a team than those in March and April mm, interesting Shu do you have I mean since we got Lang on here it wouldn't be right if, if you didn't have a uh uh, some trivia. What kind of Schumann stat do you have? But the only other thing we're missing is our uh, Fothang Cafe t-shirts, which I don't know <laughs> that any of us are going to get back to the Fothang Cafe anytime All-star. soon. With All-star. Right? When's All-Star? All-Star in Cleveland? Is it 2022 or something like that? Yeah, I just hope they're still around then. I don't want anything to happen to that oh, restaurant. That place is going nowhere. <laughs> I'm saying they're not yeah. going to have our business in June anymore, so... <laughs> All right, so I do have some uh, sort of a uh, quarter mark of the season trivia. It is ten quick, sort of rapid fire questions. Holy I'll give you five. Ten. I'll give five to each of you. So basically, we're going to alternate. All and right. You can just give me your your okay. quick answer, and then I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. And then we'll 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 keep score, and and those listening oh, at home could could keep score for themselves as well. All right. All right. So we'll start with Lang. Uh, we mentioned the Grizzlies rank last in pace. What team ranks first in pace? at this point in the season? Uh, Sacramento. No, Atlanta. Uh, Seku. What what team leads the league in offensive efficiency? Milwaukee. Correct. Lang, what team leads the league league in defensive efficiency? The Memphis Grizzlies. No, they're they're fifth. Uh, Oklahoma City is uh, number one. Seku, what team okay. leads the league in, in ball movement as far as passes per uh, per minute of possession? They also lead the league in assist percentage and the percentage of their field goals that are assisted. Uh, Golden State. Nope, Philadelphia. Lang, what team has seen the biggest increase in winning percentage from last season? So it's, it's most improved team as far as winning percentage. Sacramento. No, Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to player Seku. Who's the leading? Who's the league's leading scorer? James Harden. Correct. 
31 per game. Uh, Lang, other than Russell Westbrook, who's the only player averaging at least seven and a half assists and seven and a half rebounds per game? Wow. Um, it's a bigger guard. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, correct. Seku, who, le- who leads the league in dunks? Oh, gosh. I just heard this the other day, and I'm – dang it. Giannis. Correct. Yeah. All right, Lang. Who I was going to say Zion Williamson, but he's not in the league. Only three players have half as many dunks as, as Giannis does. Lang, who leads the league in total three-pointers made? Uh, Clay Thompson. Oh, Kemba Walker. And Seku, last one. Who leads the league in total plus minus? His team has outscored its opponents by 247 points with him on the floor this season. Steph Curry. Nope. Danny Green. Wow. So Seku, you got three right. Lang got one right. Lang even missed the one about his own team. Man, this this is like so classic. It's not even. I shouldn't be laughing. This is how we do business around here. I'm impressed. You got three. You got three. three, 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 Five. That's not bad. I know, but for for us, you know, usually when you ask uh, uh, Schumann Stat and Lang and I stump, you know, it's like it's classic. It's it's like the Three Stooges all over again. It's a little weird because I'm in my car right now. Today is my son's birthday, and I have to go to his school that lunch. So I'm not actually able to Google the the questions. Yeah, that you had, had, I, obviously, you didn't have a browser open in front of you. <laughs> exactly. No. You weren't able to cheat like you used to. Tell uh, tell Beck we said happy birthday. Um, tell Isabel we said hello. Glad you guys are, are uh, safe, sound, and adjusting well in Memphis. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the Grizzlies. And uh, – I don't know. Come playoff time, you never know. Maybe we'll have to have a, a hang time podcast at uh, your favorite Greasy Spoon in Memphis. You never know what could happen down the road. So, well, look, I, I miss you guys. I love you guys, and uh, Memphis is great um, for for my family and for us. And uh, come on up, come visit. We're not far, man. You better come see a, a good defensive team play. Say, a couple hour drive from Atlanta. Get some barbecue. It'll be good. Yeah, well, you know me. I'm, I fall asleep after ten minutes in the car, so I better fly. That's true. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate you joining us, man. We'll, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Awesome. Appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday uh, with another episode of the Hang Time Podcast. As always, breaking down John Schumann's power rankings on NBA.com. Be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast for new episodes all season long. Shout out to a man Lang Whitaker for joining us. And we will see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast.